You're listening to the Curious About Cannabis podcast. The Curious About Cannabis podcast is brought to you by the generous support of fans just like you. Find out how you can support the show and get access to exclusive content, merchandise discounts, and more at patreon.com slash curiousaboutcannabis. If you want to learn even more about cannabis, check out the Curious About Cannabis book at cacpodcast.com slash book, or check out our Curious About Cannabis online courses and educational events at the Natural Learning Academy at learn.naturaledu.com. Kristen Yoder, the bullshit detector of the cannabis industry. You're listening to the Curious About Cannabis podcast. Hey everybody, this is Jason Wilson with the Curious About Cannabis podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. So today I'm really excited to connect to someone I've actually been wanting to sit down and speak to for quite a while since I started the podcast. Um, but I'm here with Kristen Yoder from the uh, Cannabis Detector podcast, um, among all sorts of other things uh, that you do here. Kristen, thanks so much for being willing to come on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I we're going to have a very interesting um, discussion here because uh, just to kind of preview things for, for our listeners, um, the, this episode harkens back to one of the first episodes ever recorded where I discussed, um, you know, basically uh, a lot of issues with the cannabis industry and also um, uh, flack that I get sometimes for talking about uh, the quote unquote like negative sides of, of cannabis. Um, and, and one of the things we talked about in that episode was like, what does uh, a sort of mature relationship with cannabis look like and, and how should we be talking about that as the industry matures. And that's a topic that I have not revisited. And uh, Chris and I were talking uh, on Instagram and decided it's a great time to revisit that discussion. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, her experience in the industry, things that that she's learned. Her podcast is very, very interesting. I highly recommend people look it up because uh, it's a, a very unique, um, I guess, approach to uh, educating about the industry and and ultimately we're going to spin off into some pretty um, I think heavy topics here it's going to be really good so to to kick us all off because I know everyone listening probably isn't uh, familiar with you and some of your work uh, Kristen do you mind painting a picture for us of um, how you got involved in the industry and uh, what kind of led to starting the uh, podcast that you've been doing for you've been doing it for several years now right um, three years. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I have been in the Los Angeles cannabis industry since 2005. So I'm no spring chicken in the industry. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I was 21 when I started in the industry and I'm in the most corrupt and also the largest market in the world. And being a young woman in this industry for so long is how I became the bullshit detector. But let's start at the beginning. So um, 
back in 2005, there were a couple dispensaries in Hollywood, West Hollywood. And um, I went and got my doctor's recommendation in California. We did, we had a medical industry up until we legalized. Um, mm-hmm. And that was like in 2017 or 18. So I went and got my doctor's recommendation. And really, I'm not a medic. I've never been a medical user. I was a stoner. Like I grew up with like dazed and confused, half baked. You know, I was like, oh, stoner man. Like, yeah. Classics. Exactly. And so I went to this dispensary. It was the first dispensary in the city of LA in Venice, where I lived. And the first time I walked in, I was just like, oh my god, like. I'm buying weed at a store. Like, is this like, this is a dream. And I was a licensed hairdresser at the time, but I was just managing a hair salon in Brentwood. And I asked them like, do you need help? Like, oh my God, like this would be a freaking dream. And yeah, they actually did. So the second time I came in, I interviewed with them and they brought me on and it was me and another girl and then the owner and his friend, these older men and the, the dude in the front who checked everyone in never got high. The girl, she only had been high a couple times. The owner, barely. And I was like the resident pothead who was just like, oh my God, like this so like I'm selling weed for a living. This is crazy. And so I just dove straight in i mean this is like when um the book of bud and like all these books started coming out and within a year from like well within like two years we went from the first dispensary in the city of la to like a thousand dispensaries and it just got crazier and crazier but back then we were medical it was just medical patients like a lot of people passed away when i worked there like they were legit ill we didn't advertise ever it was all word of mouth and so that's like where i got my bearings and and even back then i was trying to figure out the truth for people because people had medical needs and but at the same time back then i thought Oh, sativa, skinny leaves, indica, big leaves. And I would just look at Bud and be like, it's a 65, 35 sativa dominant. And and I believed it, right? And like for five years, whatever I told people, that's what they would feel. So why would I even question that? So anyways, I was there for five years. Um, the city council wanted to do some licensing stuff. Anyways, it was a freaking nightmare. And I ended up burning out after five years, like nothing worked out. And I was just, I talked to like 60 to 80 people a day for five years. I was tired. So I quit and I started learning how to grow indoor and outdoor. And then I started apprenticing at a warehouse, pretty sure for the Russian mob, like no joke in North Hollywood. And like, that's when I realized the growing is freaking hard. It is labor. <laughs> like, it is like farming, but indoors. And they kept bringing people in and bringing pests in. And it was like nonstop yeah. war. And it was sweaty and awful. And I'm like, yo, I am not cut out for this. So after two years, I hit up my friend who was running one of the largest edible companies in California at the time, Venice Cookie Company. And... Mm. He was a vendor of mine when I was at the dispensary. So he hired me because he knew I was good at managing things. And it was the first time I ever sat at a desk 
and I was in charge of supply chain management, which I'm, I was like a hairdresser with a GED. So like I had to learn Excel, I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then within a few months, I started doing product development R&D. So I started working with food scientists and I was working with our lab, testing our concentrate to help with formulations. Like I literally learned everything I call it baptism by the fire. Like no one taught right. me anything. Yeah. I had to figure out what my job title was and what I was supposed to do. And by the time <laughs> I left there in three years, I was balancing QuickBooks. I was like, I mean, I wrote the like guide on our decarboxylation and like how to do everything. And I had nice. helped like formulate 11 products. And at the busiest point, we were serving a thousand dispensaries. We had 72 products with like six in R&D at all times. So I was like trying to learn project management. I helped them start Evergreen Herbal up in Washington. Um, it was nuts, but then we got raided and then we got raided again. And by the second time, there was no operations to manage. So I left and I went to work. <laughs> I mean, this is LA. I mean, while I was at the dispensary, we got raided by the DEA. I was the only one yeah. there. That was the day Eric Holder got elected My as gosh. attorney general. And it was right when I, the poll yeah. came out. And they were like, this is our FU. I remember that. Um, yeah, they raided four dispensaries that day. And luckily, because we weren't open yet, and I was so high that like, I was, I was just so high. Like, thank God I smoked so much hash that morning. Um, I would love to see the picture they have of me at the DOJ, but anyways, I'm getting distracted. So anyways, the, I wasn't there for the raids at the edible company, luckily. Um, but I went to work for the workshop lab, which is the oh. testing lab run by Jeffrey Raber, Dr. Jeffrey Raber, my mentor, who um, helped with product development and was also the most consistent lab when it came to testing our extract. Mm -hmm. Because... If you don't have the right percentage of potency, how are you supposed to formulate your edibles to get that correct? And like, how are you supposed to have homogenized recipes if you can't trust your lab, which is some whole other thing that we can get to maybe or not, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so when I started working there, they were in the middle of creating a terpene training kit. This was like in 2016. Yeah. That's when I learned that sativa indica is bullshit. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> Are you telling me that everything I believed and taught people for five years was patently false? Like, it took me a month to come to terms with it. And then I'm like, well, I must atone for my sins. And that's right? when I, yeah. like, took on the project and, like, um, I work with cultivators to help them come up with custom terpene formulated cartridges based on their genetics and also started teaching terpene classes. And, um, and so I kept doing that. But after a year, I was like, I want to try consulting because I've done like almost everything in the supply okay. chain and I want to make real money. And um, turns out management consulting sucks because it's yep. super boring and like who wants to do like formal business documentation like not me at all no i was like a plant person and an operations person and my business partner was an accountant and so like that didn't work plus she was like super positive and i was like jaded and had been through so much crap in my career already that i'm like 
is she nuts or am I just crazy negative, you know? So yeah, we yeah. split up because I didn't believe in what she was working on. And I don't think she believed in my beliefs. So that's like when I got on LinkedIn and I put veteran BS detector in my title for the cannabis industry and, and just started posting my point of view, which was cynical which has also been like dead freaking on my entire career essentially because I've been through this already and you know it doesn't take a genius to see where things are going so um I went from consultant to advisor meaning I'm not doing your homework for you you do your homework like I'm your best friend for hire I will tell you if your consultants or your lawyers or anyone is trying to screw you if you have any questions I will get you the answers like I will bullshit detect on your behalf, essentially. Um, And so then I started my podcast, The Can of BS Detector, which was like to take the stars out of the eyes of all the entrepreneurs and investors and businesses that are like, oh, cannabis, just like get rich quick, multi-billion dollar industry. It's like, nah, bro, like you're going to lose money. You're like, it sucks. It's not fun. It's difficult. People will take advantage of you. Like, this is all the bullshit that you're going to face. And my first episode was about the impending wave of litigation. And I literally, it is amazing listening to it. I called every single type of lawsuit that could happen based on my experiences. So all of a sudden I started getting traction and lots of followers and like people like really loved me and I like became like myself and I found my place as like, I have this cartoon voice. I sound so cute and sweet. And it takes the edge off of all of the daggers I'm throwing. Um, right, so yin-yang kind of. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> you know, if I was a man, people would think I was just mad negative all the time. But people are like, God, it's so refreshing to hear someone that explains what I've been through, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I'm going to talk for everyone else who has a financial obligation that is prevented from talking about the issues that they're going through. So, um, so yeah, that takes me up to like now, which I've been, my focus has always been on advising idea stage entrepreneurs, because after you've already executed, it's like too late for me to come in and be like, Oh dude, like you just made mad mistakes. Like, what are you doing? Right. You know, like I'm trying to <laughs> stop people from making yep. mistakes. But the problem is, is I end up just talking people out of starting businesses because mm-hmm. a, if you want to start a cannabis company, get a job at one first and yes, learn on yes. someone else's dime and then tell me if you want to start one because you probably won't because it's so freaking hard and i'm just trying to be like the fairy godmother of people and being like dude trust me like you don't want i've been to there me. i've been yeah. down this trail you exactly. don't have to go down there <laughs> exactly so yeah so that takes me up to now where i mean last year when the pandemic hit i just burned out I mean, I think that's my third Mm -hmm. clinical burnout over my 16 year career. And it's also when like, I guess I realized that um, I have zero coping skills. Like I've always just used weed or alcohol or candy or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. whenever things got tough. And my biggest problem was 
concentrates. Um, okay, so like mm. in 2019, um, I lost consciousness, like straight up passed out, like blacked out. Not like blacked out for a period, just like lost consciousness right. um, from dabbing diamonds. I mean, I, I mm -hmm. freaking hate diamonds so much. Like, look, why would we be hitting like THCA isolate? Like, isn't that just pharmaceutical in a way? Like, isn't that kind of hypocritical? Like, it's very stupid. So anyways, the fourth time uh, I was at a rosin press event, like the one time I wear a mini skirt, which like, I don't wear skirts, oh, no. bro, okay? And I had a little bit of a margarita. I hadn't eaten that day. I dabbed. I'm like looking around for my friend. And then I have this dream that I'm in a pool and that I fell in backwards. And then I hit my head oh. on the bottom of the pool. And then I wake up and I'm on the ground surrounded by like a circle of terrified high people who are like, what day is it? What's your name? And I'm like, Kristen, like, I know where I'm at. Like, I'm just, it's like low blood sugar or something. Anyways, thank God I fell sideways. But like my skirt yeah, was around geez. my waist and they called 911. And um, I ended up being like the first and last time, hopefully ever, that I've ever been in an ambulance, which I didn't let them take me anywhere because I'm American. I don't have health insurance, like, duh. Um, <laughs> so they're like, my low, my blood sugar and my blood pressure were hella low. And I was like, yeah. I need to eat. Like that's, it's just like, I just need to eat. And they're like, okay. And they called the hospital and they're like, you should really come in. And I'm like, I declined service or whatever. Like, just give me a granola bar or something. And so my yeah. friend took me home and like, you would think after like the third time blacking out, or like whatever. I mean, twice. One time, I was sitting down, um, and I dabbed, and then I felt like I went blind and deaf, and like my mm -hmm. ears were ringing, and yep. it took me a few minutes to like reassociate, you know. I've and had I'm that like, experience. yeah, yeah. And then um, the other two times, I was at some dude's house, and they caught me <laughs> as I fell. Thank God. Um, but the fourth time was like, I have a scar on my elbow. Like my hip was hella bruised cause I fell sideways. And I knew like even before then in like 2016, I was dating a guy who ran a delivery service and I just loved dabbing so much. And he hated it because I wouldn't do shit. I would just be like, Oh, and then just lay back, you know? And, um, and he'd be like, don't dab and I'm like I didn't dab and he's like you fucking dabbed I'm like oh you're right you know but um so like I knew that I had a dabbing problem and I mean I would have to have my ex take my rig and everything out of my apartment away from me because I had no self-control so like that was starting in like 2017 when I like I knew I had a problem with concentrates um and then the pandemic hit and I'm like yeah, gee the world is ending. We're all going to die. I'm just going to dab. Screw it, you know? Um, and and then I go through my binge where it's like I just don't do anything functional at all for a while. I just get up. Or I would be like, I'm going to dab and then I'm going to challenge myself to be productive. And then I wouldn't uh, be productive because yeah. duh. And, um, and so, yeah, I really question what's the point of concentrates they're not serving a medical purpose 
they never really helped me. I know a lot of people who have passed out from dabbing. I mean, the first time I saw it, I was like, are these kids smoking crack? Like, what the fuck are they doing? Right. This is crazy. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> it was like a thing that you don't warn people the first time because suffocating right. is part of it. It's like funny. Like, ha, ha, yep. ha, you yep. suffocated. I suffocated too. I mean, I took a dab one time at a dispensary and like suffocated and choked and then just covered in sweat. And I had to sit yeah. there and be like, oh. And it's like a hazing ritual, kind of. Exactly. That's what, what it reminds me of. Yeah, I mean, I was making my own wax on my roof, dude. Like, I swear to God, I am so lucky that I did not blow up my car when I would go to the smoke shop and buy, like, a pack of 96 cans, like a freaking box of them, and put them mm -hmm. in my trunk and drive home and be like, please, God, no one ran me. And, like, please, like, I used a fan, like between me and my little metal tube with my butane coming out into my glass bowl, if that fan would have sparked, like my freaking God, dude, like it's amazing. I didn't blow anything up. Um, and, and also, I mean, I'm going to get cancer. Like what, the, what was I dabbing, dude, these chemicals from this... 5x super plus like come on bro like that's right, right. dirty butane you know um but and we were your were your dabs were they kind of like uh super dark in color like were they some of those really gnarly open I blasted learned, uh... like i learned to take all the fan leaves out like get as mm -hmm. much only the sugar leaf you know but yeah at the same time it's like i'm manufacturing narcotics in my freaking home and and at one point uh, someone on the first floor of my building was manufacturing meth and the DEA oh, was wow. watching our building. At the same time, I'm throwing out bags full of empty butane canisters with my fingerprints on them, which were submitted to the LAPD Narcotic Division and the DOJ to be a manager of a dispensary back when I was at the dispensary mm -hmm. so that we yep. could get licensed. Yep. Um, and then the paranoia comes and I'm like using gloves and like, it just, I'm like, why is that van never leaving? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah, like it was deep dude. And, and yeah, so like, then I started dabbing during the um, pandemic and then I reached the point where I'm like, Oh my God, bro. Just like take my rig like away from me. Like I cannot, I cannot function like this. And after a while, it's like, yo, this is the new reality. Like this situation mm -hmm. is not tenable. Like I gained like 20 pounds and I was eating garbage and, and eventually I have to start working again. Like I have to come back to life. Right. So that was like, I don't know, last summer. And then when I okay, so when I quit smoking cigarettes when I was 21, I flipped out. I was like, "Oh my god, what do I do with my hands?" And like, I was gonna like just ah, yeah, yell yeah. at all these people. And I got put on a mood stabilizer and an antidepressant. Um, but I've always had severe depression, so the antidepressant's not weird. But the mood stabilizer, I was on the same dosage, 200 milligrams of Lamictal every day. Yep. Yeah. I've been my, on that too. Yeah, my entire cannabis career since I was 21. And then my doctor changed my prescription to 200 milligram pills. So I was used to taking two 100 milligram pills, but then I started 
started taking two 200 milligram pills and then it ran out like a month early um and they're like that's weird you should still have like four or six weeks left and then i'm like oh shit like i just doubled the dosage of lamicta which you should not do that fast you got to like titrate up get migraines and yeah all sorts of stuff i mean and i didn't even realize it but i started having this like itchy rash and it started with like some bumps Mm. on my arms and then my other arms and then my legs and then my ears were like on fire and so they're like quit cold turkey because you're having a severe drug reaction and uh and so i basically had no idea what it was until i was able to see a doctor and it turned out to be dress syndrome which is drug reactive eosinophilia something syndrome which is like your white blood cells that are there to fight stuff just attacks you and so for nine weeks I had like crocodile skin. It was all raised and red and dry and my face was peeling and my ears were peeling and I was itchy and just like covered in a rash. And and then like that was the end of August. Around November, I started noticing that I was like getting excited and feeling happiness. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, dude. What are these feelings? Like, I don't think I was capable of getting excited or feeling happiness for like 15 years. Like I was the most chill, mellow person ever in the world always. And like, even when I was excited, I sounded like totally monotone. And then I'm like, holy shit. Like, have I been like unnecessarily over medicated for like 15 years? Like, oh my God. So yeah, it turns out I have been. Uh, that was wow. crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then in January, I'm like, dude, I have to like, you know, unemployment's going to run out. I've got to get back on my feet. I like just disappeared for a year. I got to like build up engagement and like come back to LinkedIn, which was really gave me anxiety and was really hard. And then I'm like, I need to take a break from weed. And so I tried to stop and I couldn't. And I kept buying more and then being mad at myself for buying more. And then I finally was able to quit. And then I harvested my gelato autoflower that I was growing. And my God, it was so freaking strong that I ended up just, you know, like when you have a bunch of junk food and you need to like go on a diet. So you eat all of your junk food um, to get it out of the house. So I was like, I just need to smoke all my gelato and like get it out of my house. You know, and it was so strong that I ended up like I've been on the radio for three years. I quit the radio. I just quit everything. And I just slept for like a month, just binging on my gelato. And then March came and I'm like, quit weed. But people kept sending all of a sudden I'm getting all this free weed. I'm like, like the freaking timing. Universe, what are you doing to me? What the hell? So I give it to my roommate and I'm like, dude, take my weed. And, um, and I don't go in my roommate's room cause she pays rent. Like I respect that, you know? And after like six days, my brain is like, go weigh your weed just to see how much you have and then sell it. And, but I knew I was going to smoke some, um, and I did, but I also weighed it. And then I hit up my building manager and I was like, bro, close out the sale. Like, 
buy my weed for me. I have no self-control, whatever. And I got in the shower after I smoked and I put on Last Dance with Mary Jane because Tom mm-hmm. Petty is just like life stages music. And oh, yes, very much so. I just hit this point where I'm like, bro, you do not need a tolerance break. You need to quit. Like, you are addicted to weed. Like, this is an addiction. Look at, like, you have dropped out of everything. Like, you know, and it hit me, and I was like, holy shit, dude. Um, Oh, and one other thing that helped me realize that. I had, because I love Reddit. um, I was, I joined the subreddit Leaves. And like six months before that. And so I was seeing posts every once in a while on my feed of people trying to quit weed that were struggling. And like over time, I'm like, I kind of want to be a part of that club, you know, like I want to be one of those people. Um, And they're so supportive and stuff. And so it was like a combination of recognizing that I had an addiction plus finding my leaves people. Um, And it just like, it gave me the strength to be like, dude, like, yeah, I'm done for real. And so I gave, I sold my weed hella cheap to my building manager and, and I've never got high again. And, and then I started going through withdrawals. I mean, I already had before, but it's like the first week I could not eat. I had zero appetite. I couldn't sleep. Um, I had night sweats, headaches. Um, the second week, my appetite started coming back, but I still, I mean, the most insane, disturbing dreams and, um, and the insomnia. And it wasn't until like 30 days, like literally on the dot 30 days where I'm like, dude, I feel freaking amazing. Like, Oh my God. Like I feel so good. Like, dude, like I kind of wish I would have quit earlier. And also as someone who calls out bullshit in the industry, I think this might be some of the biggest bullshit of all saying that it's not addictive. How is it not addictive? How is this the one active, how is THC the one active chemical that is not addictive when sugar is addictive? When when (laughs) any chemical, any mind altering substance can be addictive because it's mind altering, but somehow weed isn't. And then it's like, oh, well, it's not physically addictive. Well, what the fuck does that matter? When I withdrew from my family, my friends, my profession, my hobbies, like I lost all the passion in my life. Like I literally felt like I was just dead inside. And I realized also, I haven't even let you talk, but sorry, I'm on the sun. No, this is... Great. I use the Grounded app, um, and that has, like, a timer on it to keep track of how long you've been without, and you can, like, put in how mm. much you smoke and how much you spend, and it tells you how much you save and how much you haven't smoked, but it also tells you how long each withdrawal symptom would last, and oh. I don't even know there were withdrawals. I mean, look, being in this industry so long, the minute a negative report comes out, we dismiss it. We attack it like, oh, well, there's a la la, whatever. And it's like, was it cognitive dissonance Um, being in this career, in this industry where we've been fighting for the recognition that we are a legitimate medical alternative, that we are incapable of recognizing that 
people can get out of control and with fucking concentrates especially um but also with flour and so i went and did an interview and i wasn't planning on talking about it but i was telling the guy like it's pretty amazing i'm awake right now because when i was getting high like there was no freaking way i'd be awake at this time like and showered and stuff like that's insane and he's like well we should talk about this and i'm like yeah i mean i was gonna talk about it but i also felt like i needed to prepare um because like my best friend alice when she spoke about negative aspects of cannabis she got attacked by millions of people and so but then I'm like, you know, high profile what? people, some of them. Exactly. I'm like, I am, if I can help anyone, like the way I see it is like, I'm a life raft. And if like my story helps you realize that you're drowning because you didn't even know it was possible to drown, like I'm just throwing out a life raft to those people. And if you're yeah. not one of those people, then smoke a bowl for me, dude, because I'm not here to talk people out of their use. Like I am pro cannabis. I think that it's an amazing medical plant and it is a great alternative for a ton of things. But I personally was never a medical user. I was a stoner. And so I also started doing therapy because I'm like, I don't even know who I am, dude. Like I have been medicated on a mood stabilizer and weed for my entire career that's wrapped around a plant that I just recognize I have an unhealthy relationship with. And so, yeah, it was like really crazy having to reconcile. Like when I was in ninth grade, I got so high before PE class that like, I couldn't keep up with everyone doing Tybo. And I ended up getting arrested that day. And cause I grew up in Arizona, everyone gets arrested for weed. Uh. Um, got charged with minor in consumption, minor possession, drugs mm-hmm. in a drug-free zone, and I had to go to drug counseling and, you know, kicked out of public school. And I just started thinking, like, I mean, shit, if passing out four times in a year and ending up in an ambulance, like, dude, I don't have a healthy relationship with this plant. Like, also, I can't work out when I'm high. Like, I am freaking jealous that people are like, oh, I get high, I just want to work out. Like, yeah, I get high, and I just want to hang out and eat stuff. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm starting to wonder if I have a naturally balanced ECS. And when people right. get high, they feel how I do without it because I don't actually need it. I don't know. So anyways, um, today, it's like, I'm like 63 or 64 days without weed and I have zero desire to get high again. Um, And my mom and dad are both like, my mom cries almost every time we talk. Cause she's like, I feel like I got my daughter back. I feel like you've been gone for 20 years. Like, because I used to think I had to get high to like cope with Mm -hmm. my parents cause they were like annoying me, but the, being high made them annoying. It was like my attention yeah, span yeah. was so short that I couldn't, like, I would just, I was apathetic to everything. And now it's like, I look forward to talking to my parents. And also like my mom, her mom, my grandma has like Alzheimer's. Like my dad's dad just passed away from Alzheimer's. And I'm so glad that I'm present and compassionate and available for them because like, as an only child, 
I'm all they have left to support them, you know, and I couldn't do it when I was high. And so it's just crazy that like, I started talking about this on LinkedIn and, or on Instagram and people are like, yeah, well, I'm addicted to milk, but, and I'm like, (laughs) yeah, "Yeah, okay, well, when milk gets you kicked out of public school, and when milk makes you withdraw from your friends and family and other things, then let's talk about it. But, like, this is a problem, is that people want to downplay the addiction because, because if someone like Kevin Sabbat or someone anti-cannabis that we all hate got a hold of someone like me and my story, they could use it against us. And I recognize that, but I'm not going to not talk about it because the more I talk about it, the more people are like, dude, I think that I have a problem too. And I'm like, I mean, in an industry that glorifies overconsumption, is it really that surprising? And if we're willing to hide the negatives to further progress, what makes us any better than tobacco, the pharmaceuticals or alcohol? Like we need to take control of this conversation instead of letting prohibitionists be the only ones talking about the negatives and say, I recognize that it can be a problem and provide support. Like let's be proactive because it's going to bite us in the ass if we're not. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing that, that comes to mind. He, I mean, there's a lot of things that, um, I know totally just went off. Sorry. <laughs> no, that was, that was great though. It's a very good, uh, you know, presentation of, of the situation and, and sort of the, uh, the heart of what I wanted to get into, which is that, you know the cannabis industry isn't a, a an interesting situation because because of prohibition, you know we've had generations of people growing up realizing that cannabis is not as bad as they've been told, and then through sometimes um, unintentional and in and intentional sort of misrepresentations of cannabis research, they then come to a an idea that cannabis is one of the safest things on the planet. And, you know, and that all of anything negative they've heard in the past was all BS propaganda, which a lot of it was. Mm -hmm. And um, but then those people enter into another false reality. They move from one false reality to another false reality. And I say this from experience. I've gone through this evolution myself, especially coming from like a hyper conservative area of the country and everything. Um, You know, I, I remember going through this process of, I remember in, I think it was 10th or 11th grade, I was in a debate class and, you know, cannabis was one of the subjects. And, you know, I remember being so excited to like teach all of my classmates how awesome cannabis was and how it's going to change the world and how safe it was and smash all of these, you know, preconceived notions that people had because of dare and all these things. And it was really exciting. And then, you know, I got older, start studying, you know, biology as a, as a professional and um, also, eventually start getting involved in actual cannabis research and everything. And then you realize, okay, there's a lot more nuance here than I realized. Oh, people have died from cannabis use. Oh, okay. So that's a misconception that I had. Um, And then you start learning about things like cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, which I know still is so controversial. Um, But yeah, you start to realize, okay, there's the pendulum has to swing back towards center 
You know, it's like we we started on one side, we swung and overcorrected, and where we what we need to work on, it seems like, is finding that healthy, mature middle ground of just like how do we view this plant and the industry itself, all of these things from a mature perspective, recognizing um, all of this this nuance and accepting that everyone is different, everyone is going to relate to this in different ways. Um, but I I totally recognize this feeling that a lot of people would get caught up in of if they're trying to understand whether the relationship with cannabis is healthy or not, it's really hard to critically, you know, uh, engage in that exercise when so many people in the industry are doing what you, what you said, like really attacking anything negative that's said about cannabis, creating a really hostile kind of, uh, I don't know. It's almost like a bullying. It, so much of this reminds me of like, sort of like uh, middle school, high school dynamics, but it's kind of like a bullying sort of structure, you know, that all these people are ready to pounce anytime anyone says anything negative. So then in that environment, why in the world would someone then vocalize publicly, you know, that they're struggling with this or that? Cause they, especially if they've been working in the industry for so long, it's like, I'm going to get ridiculed by pretty much everyone I know. Um, and so it creates this unhealthy situation where people are it's like um, an echo afraid. Chamber. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's an echo chamber. And it, it, it just creates this situation where you have all of these people that are, that want to talk about these things and want to, you know, uh, figure out whether they need to change their relationship and that and that you know just outward conversation just doesn't happen um so uh first of all i have a lot of respect for how public you've been about this given uh that you, you were well aware of what you're stepping into especially you know being friends with alice and everything you know we've done an episode here and <clears throat> talked about her experiences speaking out about um you know the the negative aspects of cannabis and both of you are so interesting because you're both like, no, I, I am pro cannabis. Like I do recognize the value, I'm not trying to say anyone shouldn't use cannabis. It's that there's more to the story. We have to be honest about our, you know, what we're going through and, and bring this to the forefront so that people operate in reality. Really? I mean, that's just kind of how really I see it. If we really care about health, yeah. that's really what we're about, which I'm like really not sure that the people yeah, with money and the MSOs give any fucks about the health of anybody yep. because I don't think they're medical whatsoever. They're not even cannabis people. Um, I was there for Alice. I saw her almost die. I saw her like look like a skeleton, dude. You know, yeah. I had her come on my show um, that I did on Dash Radio, Storytime. And then we went to this little hole in the mall Mexican spot in the valley. And it was like me, her, and a couple other people. And it was like empty except for one other dude. And we were talking about like, what do you think it is? Like, is it pesticides? Like, is it mm -hmm. THC? Is it another cannabinoid? Like, what is it? And this guy comes over and he's like, I'm like, sorry for listening in, but I just had to say like, I've been growing for 15 years. I own a dispensary and I have been throwing up for as long as I can remember. He's like, and I think that I have what you have. Wow. And it's wow. like, what are the odds, you know? And it's like people are like, oh, 
Well, why are we only hearing about it after legalization? Well, because uh, people aren't telling doctors that they yep. use cannabis until it's freaking legal, duh. And like, how many people have had this? They didn't tell the doctors. They got diagnosed with a gallbladder issue, had like unnecessary surgery, unnecessary medication. Yep. I mean, I've seen the messages that she's received. Like one mom was like, I think that's what my son had. He took his life like a week ago because we couldn't figure out what was wrong. And it's like, fuck anybody who thinks that we shouldn't talk about this because cannabis does so much positive things. But what about the people that almost died or could die or take their life or whatever? And that's what drove her. And what drives me is I was missing from my parents' lives, like, and my own life for how long? And that, like, you don't have to think that cannabis is an issue, that cannabis addiction is an issue. It doesn't matter what people think about it. The fact is, is addiction is negative and it has negative repercussions. And and there's nothing wrong with talking about it and letting other yep. people know because I found support from people that were doing it. I'm not into 12 steps. And I mean, really, the industry should be freaking happy that people like me and Alice are pro-cannabis because we would be yeah. potent adversaries if we yep. weren't. But we are. And that's the point. Like, why would we lie? Why would we make things up? If we're so pro-cannabis and I tell people all the time, like, look, if my story doesn't strike a chord with you, then move on because it's not for yeah. you. But this is my experience. And I just want people to know, like, I didn't even know cannabis use disorder was a thing. Alice yeah. sent me an article and I was like, oh my God, bro. Like I hit every freaking criteria, every single criteria. Mm. But it came from like the psychiatric times or something. I'm like, oh, the industry is obviously going to just totally dismiss this because psychiatry and big pharma. No, no, no. Right. The big organizations are trying like, to manipulate us. They talk about how, I mean, people that start in their teenage years, like it is mm-hmm. not a good idea. <laughs> like it impacts yeah. a lot of things. This is true. Like it does happen to spike schizophrenia in people like these are serious legitimate issues that may have been used by propagandists but there's medical research behind it there's tons of research behind cannabis withdrawal like it just blew my mind because i wasn't even aware and that's why i'm speaking out because the cognitive dissonance gets to a point where we're hurting people. And I thought that we were supposed mm-hmm. to be compassionate. And I've always been turned off by plants over pills. Dude, pills help yeah, some yeah. people. Like, yep. it's not for everyone. And sure, Big Pharma is evil. And like, sure, some people are overprescribed, like I was. But I mm-hmm. still take my antidepressant and I will till I fucking die because it helps me. Like, but... Yep. Like, it's not all or nothing. There has to be yes, a balance. Yes, absolutely. And when I hear about the potency debate, um, I honestly don't know why concentrates are necessary. They're not healthy. Like I know so many people that, I mean, to me, I always joked, it's like hippie heroin, dude. It's like, you're concentrating it to such a potency 
that unless you have cancer or something? Like, I mean, even if your tolerance is high, what is the point? I found myself with vape carts, like a freaking adult pacifier, just sucking that yeah. shit everywhere yeah. I went. It was like kind of fun to get high in places you're not supposed to get high, right. you know? But then I'm like literally spending 40, 60 bucks a cartridge every couple days because I can't stop just bringing it everywhere I go with me in my pocket, just sucking on that shit. And it's like not healthy. And, and it's, it's weird how our brains will rationalize the spending too, because, you know, I think back to, uh, before I moved to the West coast, the amount of money spent, you know, even on, on just an eighth of flour, you know, anywhere between 60 to a hundred bucks, um, that you would just rationalize as like, well, no, that's just a, like a given expense. You know, we figure everything else out. Um, and it's odd to think back and, you know, like you were talking about, about this app to think about how much money is spent. And then it's like how, you know, rationalizing that expense for other things, um, it starts to to seem a little weird. Um, Let's you know, see it's, how much uh, money I've saved at this point. My God, <laughs> like I mean, I spent a lot of money. Uh, okay, I've saved nine hundred and eighty-five dollars so far, and I have not smoked six hundred and fifty-two bowls. I would literally wow. just wake up and smoke a bowl. Like, look, sure, when I yeah. quit smoking cigarettes, one of the things I did is I wrote down my triggers. Um, mm. When I woke up, when I had coffee, after I had sex, before I had sex, before a shower, after a shower, mm -hmm. at the bus stop, when I was bored, whatever. And then I would figure out, was it a physical or emotional or whatever type of trigger? Mm -hmm. And what I realized with the Grounded app is my trigger was boredom. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would get bored, and so I would get high, and I just would be like, load a bowl, like smoke bowl. It became habitual. I wasn't getting any higher, but I was like frustrated with myself that I was like too high to do things. But again, I'm not one of those functional people, which again is why I'm not here to be like, weed is addictive, it's bad, and everyone should stop. <laughs> like. The difference between being a functional cannabis user and someone who isn't is when you can't stop, you can't moderate, mm -hmm. you're spending money you didn't want to spend, you're not getting high anymore, you're smoking more and not getting what you're looking for. Um, you start withdrawing from things, like you start noticing yep. these negative things. and. I, I don't know why I always knew I was addicted to concentrates, it just never clicked that I never put the a word addiction with cannabis because <laughs> cannabis isn't addictive. You're it's, not supposed to. Yeah. Or it's only <laughs> psychologically addictive. What a stupid way to be like distinction. Yeah. Psychologically, that's pretty freaking powerful, dude. And then people are like, yeah, we think about like not... gambling addictions and, and shopping exactly. addictions and how that destroys people's lives. Like that's, that's yeah, like, not, it's, not it's good. Not, physically addictive and it's like well actually like let's think about that say i have an eating disorder and the only time i ever want to eat is when i get high but also getting high i don't want to do anything so is that not a physical issue then because i need it to achieve something but i can't do it when i do like it's yeah, stupid. separating the physical and psychological, like, yeah. It's they, stupid they're... to, like, 
split hairs just to justify this, in the end, what we should do is say, if your use gets out of control, here's support. And that's it. Yes. Yeah. You know, yep. I mean, with potency, I'm not like, yeah, oh, 15% concentrates. Like, this is why we need balanced people mm -hmm. that are fighting against the prohibitionists that are saying, yeah, concentrates aren't the best for people, but 15% isn't even flour. Like, and I think maybe we <laughs> yeah. should limit it to like, if you're 25 and up, then you can buy concentrates or something. Like, thank God I wasn't dabbing in high school because I was smoking yeah. Mexican schwag weed in high school mm -hmm. and it still screwed up my life. <laughs> so like, I mean, God, kids dabbing now, like, dude, they don't need no, it that. it freaks me out. Yeah, and like high-potency cannabis is just, you have a high tolerance. Is that really something to be proud of? <laughs> like, right. is it I, I remember... I, I remember in one of my uh, one of my workshops that I teach, um, and this was several years ago now, but I remember uh, we were talking about cannabis safety stuff, you know, and I go through some basic spiels about what we know and don't know about safety. And, you know, we talk about the the nine percent addiction rate um, for cannabis and, you know, all these different things. We talk about reward signaling in the brain and, and you know, basically the technical side to everything that you've described. And, and then I talk about concentrates and try to put into perspective the doses, you know, that people are getting from concentrates versus other administration methods. And I had one of the students come up to me after that class, you know, that day of, of the workshop was over. And he said, I've been dabbing at least three times a day, every day for at least the past 10 years. Um, and he was like, and I'm, I'm, starting to feel weird about it after this class because now i'm realizing how it's changing the endocannabinoid system changing cb1 receptor expression all these different you know the scientific side everything that we went into and i was like yeah that's probably not good <laughs> you know it's like one of those things that's hard to you know i try to be very sensitive about those kinds of things because i know that that person is really wrestling you know it's more than just cannabis use because especially in the industry because our identities get wrapped up in cannabis and, you know, all these different things. A lot of people that have been in the industry a while, um, you know, we, yeah, it's, it's just a, a, it's just a huge it's part complex. of our lives. It's complex. Yeah, yeah. That's why I got into therapy. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. like, dude, I quit my dating app. I quit everything. Cause I'm like, honestly, I don't even know who I am. Not high. And I thought I was this super negative, jaded biatch, but it turns out that I'm a rightfully pissed off biatch and yeah. that I'm actually mad capable of all these things that I wasn't capable of when I was getting high. Like, I'm actually a really good writer, and I thought that I just couldn't write. And hmm. it's like, I'm fun. I mean, my mom told me I was fun. I'm like, whoa, dude, no one's ever called me fun. I'm like a fun person, <laughs> and I like laugh at and I'm like not nearly as negative as I thought I was because I was just so high all the time, you know? So like, yeah, I mean, one of the things I read in this cannabis use disorder um, thing from the Psychiatry Times is that to take it seriously and to be gentle with these people who recognize yeah. that they have a problem because 
they're not even getting recognition from their friends. Like yep. you go to an NA meeting and heroin addicts are like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like I died three times last year and you all probably right. weed. Like, and it's true that it's kind of a joke to people, but the repercussions are not funny. And that's why I'm talking about it is because it really impacted my life. And one of the things I saw in the leave subreddit that a lot of people expressed was regret that they didn't quit sooner because they feel like they wasted all this time not living up yeah. to their full potential because they were high. And it reminds me of my one friend's mom was like, I will not let my kids get high until they're like out of the house because I don't want them to be okay with not living. And it hit me yeah. that like I was so high that I didn't care that I was missing out on things because I was high. But I missed You're out in the on mind a palace. Yeah, I missed out on a ton of things and I didn't care. And I mean I don't regret anything, but it's like at the same time, like, damn, dude, it really does make you complacent and mm -hmm. pacified. And it, it, it does kill that I mean, that's it. one of the things that, that cannabis does in the brain. You know, that's part of the reason it kills boredom is because of the way it affects memory. And so, you know, when you start uh, sort of getting into that moment by moment, you know, frame of mind, yeah, you're no longer bored anymore. But it also creates other issues. But you're also not doing issues. anything. <laughs> like right. Or, or keeping track of, you know... Uh, you know, just the, the memory effects in general, there's a lot of implications there. But uh, some, some things I wanted to, to point out, and now I hope I'll remember them because my mind's spinning in so many directions here. There's so many good things to, you know, to really touch on here. But one thing I wanted to point out, because you brought up uh, cannabis uh, use disorder. So my wife is a mental health therapist, and that's something they, you know, deal with fairly regularly. And something that I think is a key distinction that you just pointed out <clears throat> between like you know do you think you're dealing with substance use disorder or do you just are you just a you know someone who's functional and can use cannabis a lot and that's just the way you are like one of those big things is yeah are you are you able to meet up with the obligations and responsibilities that you care about and I, like that's like a really like distinctive point because um you know it's one thing to you know sort of uh, get into a frame of mind where you're re-prioritizing things, and so you say fuck it to certain things, um, but you don't actually care about those things. It's a totally different situation when you have loved ones or things that you want to do, aspirations you have or whatever, and you're realizing that you're not able to get congruent with those things, um, and that, in fact, you know, uh, a substance, a behavior, or whatever is is keeping you from kind of harmonizing with what you actually want for yourself. And I, I hope that when people listen to this conversation that they really take note of that piece because it's it's a really, really, really important distinction and it shows this self-care, self-awareness piece that in order to address that issue of trying to understand whether, you know, uh, cannabis use is keeping you from, you know, self-actualization you have to know yourself and you have to know what you want from your life in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and so it creates a, a, you know, an interesting, you know, situation. So if people are kind of wrestling with that and wondering, you know, is this something I need to evaluate or not? I think that's one of the perfect first places to start is like, 
how well do you know yourself? How well do you understand like what you want out of life? Um, and how is cannabis, you know, affecting that harmony that you're trying to have between your actual self and, you know, the sort of like ideal realization of yourself that we're all sort of like constantly working on as, as our life's project, I guess. Yeah, totally. I, again, that's why I got into therapy because I was like, I blew off so many things and everything seemed harder. And the one time I started working with a personal trainer and I did a six week boot camp, I quit smoking because I knew that I could not work out and like be healthy and do that. It's like the half of me knew that cannabis was not good for me. And the other half was like, fuck it, let's get high, you know? And (laughs) And it's like I would go to networking events um, and I would just get so high. I wouldn't even socialize with people. But I also have friends who are like, I just don't get it. Like when I get high, I'm super social and I love climbing a mountain. And I'm like, yeah, I don't get it either because I don't feel that at all, dude. Like, well, We're also, all different people. Yeah. And that's why. I'm like, you know, starting to think maybe I'm one of those lucky 25% with a straight up balanced ECS who doesn't need external cannabinoids Mm -hmm. to find my homeostasis because I never used it medically anyways. And I have a call on Friday with the veterans group. And I'm like, this is an important distinction is dependence and addiction. If you're a medical user and you're medically dependent that doesn't mean you're addicted that doesn't mean you have a problem insulin users i mean diabetics (laughs) yeah yes they're dependent on insulin they're not addicted they need it to function correctly so it's like recognizing the difference like i was just addicted i'm not dependent i don't need it to function correctly it helps me not function correctly. That's why I used it. <laughs> like I, you know, now, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have some freaking rage, dude. My God, like rage against mm-hmm. the machine, but that's just right. going to make for a better season of my podcast. As exactly. I yeah. Companies. Um, well, because now well, one I'm thing like, I wanted to, one thing I wanted to ask you is how do you feel about, so there's two phrases that irk me um, that people I actually respect a lot, even repeat. Um, one of these phrases is all cannabis use is medical use. The second one is, um, the best thing that you can do for your health is feed your endocannabinoid system. Um, those are two, especially in the like sort of medical world. Those are phrases that are often, often repeated. And, and the reason it's always bothered me is one, we don't have good ways of measuring the endocannabinoid system to, you know, determine some of those things, but also, it ignores the idea that there are people out there that don't need exogenous endocannabinoid support. You know, like there, some there's some people. Some of just like getting high, dude. Straight right. up. Like I've never pretended <laughs> to have a medical illness. Like my reason for my doctor's recommendation was anxiety from traffic because I live in LA. Like, but that's not really the issue. I just like being high. Um, yeah, I think that we're just so freaking brainwashed man and i don't want if i had a legit medical issue i'm not going to a weed doctor you know what i'm saying i'm going to like a medical doctor who like might know about weed or whatever but 
like in LA, the people who wrote the yeah. doctor recommendations were like guys who you don't even want to be your freaking doctor. And like, yeah. it was just about money. Like, I think that tobacco, I mean, I feel like in the beginning, they used to say it had medical purposes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, Kevin Sabbath, I mean, I oh, I got put in an article that mentioned him, and I'm like, oh, God, like, this was my fear, dude. <laughs> like, don't lump me with that motherfucker. But, like, I started looking at what he's saying, and he's like, look, big cannabis is just like big tobacco. They're hiding the negatives. They're trying to pretend that it's good for you. They're prescribing it for everything. And there's some truth to that in that we sure. are yep. hiding the negatives. And it, look, dude, it is not for everyone. It is not for people with atrial fibrillation, like my stepdad, because THC is not good for your heart like that. Like, it is not good for everybody. And I hate people that are like, try CBD for everything. Like, my God, if you're not a medical <laughs> professional, like, stop. Like, it's, it's not fair to people who are not well that are just trying to feel yeah. better, that you go in and pretend like you're some high and mighty person. And I saw it happen with Alice, like, oh, she's a pharma shell. Because she almost died yeah. from weed, like, she never wanted to quit in the first place. Like, she still misses it. Like, that's the point. Yeah. So what do we well, do for medical users that get CHS? Are we going to tell them no pharmaceuticals? What do you do when your medical thing that was supposed to help you makes you toxically ill? Like, I just, I feel like I was scared to talk about it in the beginning because I didn't want to get lumped in with Kevin Sabbath. But I feel like someone's got to step up to people like Kevin Sabbath, who is no cannabis, not medical, mm -hmm. and say, it's not for everyone. And that's okay. Chill, bro. Like, if yeah. you have a problem with this, all things in the world are like bro. that. Like, for real, <laughs> why are you so angry? Like, you have weed. Like, chill out, dude. Like, you know, um, but don't. We use, I mean, in California, it was called the Compassionate Use Act. That's how mm -hmm. we were selling weed. It was for compassion for medical users. The compassion is gone in this industry. Yeah. And we have to start balancing the desire for profit over patients because legalization tends to knock out medical programs whenever it passes. Yeah, yeah. And then medical patients are left screwed because they have to pay more for less potency when they need more potency. And yep. then higher potency things is given to recreational users that don't need higher potency. And anyone who says anything is like wrong, you know, but I, I have found, I mean, this is why I like LinkedIn better than Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. People are coming around to the fact that like, maybe it's not for everyone and maybe it can be abused and that's okay, dude. Like it's okay to admit that because we have, I just, I don't want to be a part of an, an industry that's willing to forsake others for the sake of progress, because then I could just be in pharmaceuticals or tobacco or alcohol. I mean, right. that mentality. I thought we were that supportive. mentality. Exactly. This idea of like, well, no, for the sake of getting this, you know, getting what we want, getting, you know, which I, I you know, so I fall into a weird position kind of similarly, because I've always talked about 
different sides of things. And I always tell people I get hate from every angle um, because no one quite knows <laughs> kind of where I sit with things. There are a lot of people that don't think that I've like never even used cannabis, which is hilarious. I'm like, if they only knew. Um, but this idea of like, well, we have to hide anything negative for the sake of getting the legislative outcomes that we want to get things, you know, to get this industry pushed forward. And if there's collateral damage because of that, well, it's ultimately for the greater good because this plant is going to end up, you know, helping all of these other people and everything. It's a, it's a twisted way, you know, when you really zoom out. And I think that's the important thing here is, you know, trying to inspire that type of thinking, like zoom out and think about everything that's going on, all these elements at play. And like you pointed out, like, uh, like in Alice's case, and I had a, uh, workshop session that just ended a couple weeks ago had a student with chs in there as well very very similar story um you know and you're realizing yeah people are coming close to death or are dying um and it's not getting acknowledged the you know the way that it it could or or should um or that you have patients that are potentially uh, wasting money, going through bad experiences that could have easily been avoided, you know, all sorts of, all the complex, like, negative side to all of this, to, to say that that's worth it, you know, for the sake of pushing things forward, it's just crazy. It's hypocritical, um, and straight up. It is, it's, it's completely hypocritical, and it's like, yeah, the only way forward that I see is to have honest discussions about these things, um, and ultimately it, it connects everyone together, because as long as everyone remains dogmatic and in their little tribal camps of like, here's our beliefs and, you know, we hold them, you know, and we've got the anti-cannabis and the pro-cannabis. As long as that dynamic exists, um, you're not really going to ever see the actual sort of mainstream adoption of cannabis future that you'd like to see. I mean, ultimately, it'd be nice to just see both camps come to the middle and acknowledge you know, like the anti-cannabis people, okay, it does have medical value and it is helping people. And, but we were right about, you know, that there are these concerns that we need to, you know, think about. And the pro-cannabis folks are like, yeah, see, it does do all of these wonderful things. Oh, but yeah, you know, we might've over-exaggerated, you know, the, um, you know, just how completely, you know, harmless, you know, we presented it to be. I mean, it's like COVID. That should... It's like COVID and conservatives. Yeah, yeah, it is, unfortunately. Um, it isn't real until it strikes you or someone you know. And yep. that's too late, period. And it's like, I would like to see, okay, you know what? If we're not going to limit potency on concentrates, I want to see extra warnings on there. I want bartenders and whoever to be like, yeah. This is the deal with dabbing. Don't hold the hit in. Don't take a fat rip, dude. Like you're going to suffocate. Like make sure you eat before you dab. Like, you know, just, I mean, if someone who made my own concentrates has grown up in the industry, has managed businesses and freaking passed out in a mini skirt at 34 at a rosin press event, like we are lacking education like big time yeah. and if you're gonna fight against any sort of common sense regulations just for the sake of progress the least you can do is put extra warning labels on these products yeah. or like something i feel like brands 
A, you should stop saying sativa indica because it's bullshit, but secondly, should have the responsibility of putting, and I know it's hard to put all these warnings on the labels. I get it, dude. You know, wow, capitalism, whatever. Like, make sure you have a leaflet in there that says, mm-hmm. might make you throw up or pass out, or if you have these symptoms, or if your use gets out of control, here is a hotline or something. Well, it's- it's like if you're at a casino, every every slot machine or whatever that you sit in front of, they often have those little uh, stickers that say, do you think you have a gambling problem? Call this number. And the you reason know. they have those and the reason alcohol ads say use responsibly and the reason there are all kinds of warnings on tobacco is because the government had to force them to do it. So why don't we be the better industry that we want to pretend that we are and be proactive instead of waiting until enough people get sick or yeah. you know spend all their money or waste their lives or whatever until there's enough of a negative impact that the government forces you to do it. Why don't we just be responsible? Because I don't want to be a part of an industry that mirrors alcohol, tobacco, and big pharma in the way that they push all negative things under the table so that they can make a profit. Like, I don't support that. That's what my podcast is for. I don't see myself in this industry in the future if we're just going to get taken over by fucking Charles Koch and, like, all these other shitty evil people like John Boehner and whoever who don't care about the users. They don't care about anyone. They're just about making money. and Grabbing market share. I feel like the industry is so pacified on their own weed that they're not paying attention to what's happening and that they're high enough to not care about the collateral damage. But until you become the collateral damage and that's too late, dude. It's too late. And that's why I speak out. That's why Alice speaks out. That's why I appreciate people like you doing podcasts like this and why I do my show and why I feel it's important to have these conversations because I'm not trying to make anyone quit. I'm just planting a seed that if eventually you're like sitting there like, damn, bro, I can't believe I just bought more weed and I was like trying to quit and I can't quit, that you know that you're not alone. Like, tons of people are in the same boat. Like, there's 176,000 members in the subreddit leaves. I mean, that's a lot of people, dude. Like, I just, I didn't know. I didn't know, and that's why I talk about it. And turns out lots of people I know in the industry have quit. It's like something in your Mm -hmm. 30s when you recognize, like, dude, like, I'm not feeling it anymore. Like, you know, being yeah. a stoner was fun in my 20s, but like now I need to focus on some shit or something, you know, yeah. again, not everyone, just a, a minority, but we still matter, you know, everyone matters. And it's, and it's not that small of a minority either. I mean, you know, nine, 10%, like that's, Millions. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of people. Um, I, I mean, it's like know. six. 15, 16% if you started as a teenager. Not only that, right. if you start as a teenager, you are more likely to get into other substances. Like, this is just, like, studies that have shown this. Like, I'm not here to shit what? on weed. It's just, you know, when you... And it's kind of common sense, too. When you, yeah. If you've, like, been in that world, you know, it's like that kind of stuff really makes sense. Like, of course, 
if you're uh, in granted what kids experience now is very different than what I experienced growing up. And I get that, Wait, but like you? the whole, um, so I'm 32. Oh, um, I'm so, older than you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 36. Um, okay. Well, not too much. Four years on me. Um, but, you know, with the way that laws have changed so, so much, um, you know, it's like, I don't, the black market today is so different um, than it was uh, that I, I kind of have to take note of that, that I may be totally clueless. Um, but, you know, it, it, it makes sense that if you get involved um, experimenting with cannabis or anything else at a really young age, you get exposed to all sorts of other things earlier than you otherwise would. You can you start to think about things differently earlier than you normally would. And uh, on top of all of that, you know, there are these direct connections to how substance use in your teenage years affects like um, uh, emotional intelligence development um, and that sort of thing, because it changes the way you perceive and think about things at a really, you know, at an early right. age. So it's, it's just like, you know, to me, that's not controversial. Like that's pretty basic. Now, do I know tons of people who started using cannabis at really early ages and seem to not have too much of a problem now. Yes, I do know quite a lot of people that have, um, but I also know people that, you know, the complete opposite is true too. I'm so, interested to you know, see the kids that started dabbing. Like there, right. dabbing didn't happen in my life until 2011, 2012. Yeah, yeah. Thank mm -hmm. God. <laughs> Same with social media. Like. I feel like I'm literally the last generation that didn't have a cell phone in high school and had a real life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, time will tell what it's like for these generations that grow up with super strong weed, super strong concentrates, vape carts, whatever, um, how that's going to impact them. Because when I was high, I mean, honestly, dare was my doorway. I was high at my dare graduation because I was like, fuck dare, you know? Um, right. But it was also like, ooh, that drug sounds interesting. Like, I want to try that. Also, I consider my generation, Generation RX. We got put on mad drugs mm -hmm. by doctors for everything, dude. Speed, antidepressants, like whatever. Um, we were all over-medicated. Like any troubled child would get put, I mean, I've yep. been on like 12 different psych meds by the time I was 21. So, you know, if it's not one drug, it's another. But I know that when I would get high, I would care less about things. I mean, I also drank a lot. Like every, it just, it was like one chemical to another. I wouldn't say weed was the doorway. I would say alcohol was. But weed was there, and so was all kinds of pills, like pills all over the place, all the time, you know? Um, yeah, and you just pointed out something really important, which is that, like, that experience of, you know, growing up and having medication being such a part, big part of life, that even regardless of alcohol and cannabis and all these things, at an extremely early age, you're thinking about substances and and how they affect you and you know all these you know different things which is i don't know that i've ever quite thought about it that way before but it's it's interesting um that just that kind of like hyper you know over prescription of medication to kids 
that it that in and of itself creates a sort of it kind of lines the dominoes up so that you're you're already accustomed to taking exogenous things in your body and affecting your consciousness yeah exactly this like concept of medicating uh, which is another thing that irks me greatly I, I don't know i get really annoyed when people always call their cannabis use medicating it, i don't know it's really annoying yeah, but anyway <laughs> I, I get that it's like it's all medical because you're using it for depression or anxiety or whatever but like sometimes just intoxication you know mm -hmm. um and it's funny because we watch these sitcoms they're always drinking yeah. always drinking the mom's always drinking wine and that's totally normal. And it's like, that's, I just see so many parallels with the cannabis industry and the alcohol and tobacco industry, not to mention that alcohol and tobacco is merging into the cannabis industry, mm -hmm. not to mention it was like made illegal because it competed with tobacco, alcohol, and pharmaceuticals. It's just another mind altering thing that we are going to normalize in our everyday usage and therein lies the problems. And I mean, right. Alice even said like, I mean, some dude from an ER reached out to her saying the CHS cases are blowing up. Like it's not uncommon, dude, that I mean, you see these like young influencer girls who just get mm -hmm. hot all day long and they're like burping and it's like alice yeah. is like that's the prodromal stage <laughs> like they're gonna get chs and it's like yeah there are influencers that have chs that would never talk about it because god forbid mm -hmm. the industry thinks that they're pharmaceutical people or whatever but it's like yeah, man, I will speak out and I don't give a fuck if I get haters because if I help anyone, then it's worth it, you know? And yeah. so I just challenge people to be more conscious about their use because we have some gnarly cognitive dissonance in this industry that we need to work through. And if we really are better than alcohol and tobacco, we like have some work to do and the way we treat other people, you know? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Well, I yeah. think that's such a, a great place to start to wrap up this conversation. I see we've been going for almost an hour and a half. I lost track, like, for, I, I lost, like, 30 minutes in there. I just, like, looked up. I was like, whoa. Um, yeah. But it, I think this has been a really important, you know, discussion, and I hope, you know, I know that this episode is going to get me hate, too, because I, I mentioned, I think, right before we started recording that my least listened to episode and most harshly criticized episodes are the ones where I specifically talk about is it, it, it's funny, just the title of the episodes is cannabis safe. Like, that's what they're called. Um, and I had people immediately. Um, I remember when I posted them before anyone could even have possibly listened to the whole thing, uh, you know, uh, people jumping on to give negative comments, negative reviews and stuff. So I, I definitely know that this one is going to uh, be, you know, similar, but that's okay because I, mean, I think look, that's, if, if people it's important are to ruffle hate, the feathers. Then they need to smoke more weed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, bro, yeah. if you're getting high, like chill the fuck out. And secondly, I was a lifelong stoner. Like, I have fucking weed pictures everywhere. I was growing weed up until a couple months ago. Like, no one here is talking shit on weed. We're just saying right. that there are negatives to it. And if you're going to be a hater, then 
maybe it's because you are feeling personally attacked and maybe you should think about your use because yeah. if you didn't have a problem, this wouldn't bother you and you could brush it off. And yeah, I mean, I welcome the hate because in the end, I'm not fighting with people. I'm just telling my story. And if it offends yep. you, you got the problem, not me. You know what I'm saying? So yep. I don't think that Absolutely. this will get you a lot of hate if you don't title it um, a specific <laughs> way. Uh, because, yeah, right. I mean, I've had so many good conversations with people from my conversations on podcasts with other people. And so yeah. I'll be interested to hear. Like, I think that, you know, I'm I'm relatable, dude. I made my own extracts. I grew my own weed. I run yeah. businesses in every sector. Like, I still love weed. I still love it. I love it so much. I don't trust myself with it, you know? So, like, no <laughs> one's hating we're just saying, stop being a closed-minded asshole. That's all. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, to kind of summarize some of the main points that we hit here, you know, ultimately, you know, being more transparent about these issues is ultimately about helping more people. Exactly. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, I think that's that's hopefully one of the big takeaways here is, is ultimately there are people out there struggling that feel like they uh, don't have a place to turn or that what they're feeling is incongruent with reality because of the way the science gets distorted, you know, and that's, that's like my focus, you know, in this industry, trying to help the science education part because it is so manipulated and, and distorted and everything. So, um, yeah, I hope, I hope that this is, you know, kind of helped people to just pause and, and evaluate, you know, the whole, the whole point, of wanting to do this this episode for me is to try to encourage people to just pause and reevaluate their relationship with cannabis. And I this is a topic I want to explore through some other angles too. But you know that's really the key here is like just do you ever stop and just think about that relationship, and do you have a good sense of whether it's healthy or not? Like that's that's the big takeaway you know for me if, with listeners is just you know if you haven't done that exercise to re reflect and and try to get that perspective, you know, uh, it's important to do regardless of whether you're using cannabis or not, like self-awareness and, uh, you know, all these things are just important life skills that we all um, need to be working on anyway. So totally. Um, and if anyone like, needs support, feel free to reach out to me, um, Instagram, cannabis detector, or on LinkedIn, that's Kristen Yoder, uh, or soiltothe is my website. Like, I'm here for you. Like, I get it. Um, you're not alone. And if you don't have a problem, smokable for me. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Kristen, thanks so much for coming on the podcast to talk about your story and, and get into these topics. And yeah, definitely uh, keep up the good work. I look forward to seeing what the next season is, is going to look like for you. It should be uh, very, very interesting. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks so much for giving me your time and coming on. And I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, everybody. If you want to learn more about Curious About Cannabis, just hunt us down. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn. Um, just search for Curious About Cannabis and you'll find us or find us at curiousaboutcannabis.net. A new domain, still trying to grab hold of the curiousaboutcannabis.com domain. Uh, despite my repeated attempts to try to offer the person money to just give it to me, they won't. Um, so curious about cannabis.net, uh, you can find us there or cacpodcast.com. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. Stay curious and take it easy. Bye-bye.
you want to learn more about cannabis, check out the Curious About Cannabis book on Amazon.com and other major online book retailers. Thank you.